Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Marshall, how are you today? I'm fantastic, my friend, fantastic. It's uh, time for more of our 20 bad habits, so this is kind of exciting and I think we need to tell people that to explain why uh, behind me is the word but repeated over and over, written in dust by my children, um, because they thought it was funny, but it reminds us that one of the bad habits is starting uh, uh, with no but, however, et cetera. And you have 2020 behind you because we have 20 bad habits. Yes, we have 20 things to work on. And, and I would like to, those of you who saw you know part one of this, one of the challenges we threw out was, do you have the courage to show the list of 20 things you shouldn't do uh, to a coworker, a spouse, a friend, and ask them to point to the ones that, that you're egregiously committing? So uh, hopefully you've had uh, some uh, experience with that. If so, uh, definitely put it in the comments below this video. And, and don't forget oh, to please. subscribe so you can get a uh, notification when we post part three and part four. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, so um, just uh, the, the, the one thing that I want to say, uh, just as a reminder from the last episode, is that these are the things under your control. They're, they're the challenges to interpersonal behavior, uh, as Marshall Goldsmith calls it. Um, and, and the idea here is that um, I can control how I communicate with you and the, the things that I inject into our uh, conversation, our communication. So, um, He's distilled it down to 20 lovely things that, uh, frankly, all of us are guilty to, to some degree, probably. And um, are we ready? Anything else we need to say before we dive into this? <laughs> yes. This is not a to-do list. This is a to-don't list. <laughs> right. Don't be this guy. All right. What's number six? All right. Number six is telling the world how smart we are. They need to show people we're smarter than they think they are, than they think we are. I should make sure we say that right. To, to uh, the need to show people we're smarter than they think we are. Oh, I am so good at this one. <laughs> right. I may be the best at this one. <laughs> yeah, I rule this one. Uh, yeah. So, so when I when I saw this one, the first thing I thought of was was. Oh, I can't remember if it was Theodore Roosevelt or, or Maya Angelou or whoever, but they said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right, right. So just because you are the smartest person in the room until you engage with folks, uh, nobody cares. Right. And so having a great idea is completely different than getting a great idea acted upon. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've, I've had, a, I've literally had a manager walk up to me, or I guess he was just at the time an employee. Um, and he walked up to me and said, uh, Hey, I, you know, I really should be a manager here. I have an IQ of blah, 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 blah. And like, and the end, like that was the end of the sentence. Like, now can you go talk to management for me now that you're aware that, you know, I'm a superstar. And of course, you know, what's the problem with that? He's, just as the, the bad habit says, he's telling people that he's really smart, but he's got to show them that he's really smart. And there's a big gulf between the two because most people, um, they don't care how much you know, as you've said, 
Um, and they especially don't care when you just tell them and don't prove it by showing them. So that's, I, I think that's my thoughts on that. Anything else you want to say? Well, I think if you if you're driving down the road, you're looking for you know food, and you look at the restaurant sign, and the restaurant sign says authentic Mexican food. <laughs> what do we know about that Mexican food? Probably not authentic. Yeah, completely <laughs> inauthentic. You know, so if somebody walks up to you and says, "I'm the most honest person you'll ever meet," mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Hide your wallet. Hide your kids. You right. know, hide everything. You know, so so if we have to proclaim it, yeah, it's probably not true. Yeah, yeah. And well, so, so yeah, if you if you want to over time demonstrate it, that's fine. And I was I was reading a I can't remember what I was reading it was an article of a study I think it was Harvard Business Review and they were talking about one of the best ways to sell an idea is to listen. Mm -hmm. and people who do more listening actually get their ideas implemented more than those who move forward thinking they're the smartest person in the room and not right. listening. And right. it kind of goes to people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. One way you demonstrate care is by is by caring about what the other person has to say. Yeah. And so if you truly want your ideas to move forward and maybe they are great ideas, declaring yourself the smartest person, you know, the smartest person in the room and demanding compliance is not the way to go about it. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, you mentioned authenticity. Speaking of authenticity, the next bad habit, uh, bad habit number seven is speaking when angry. Some people really authentically get angry. Um, and uh, Marshall Goldsmith defines this as using emotional volatility as a management tool. Um, using emotional volatility as a management tool. Um, have, have you seen this play out in a, I, I know you have, so I'm just uh, fishing here, but uh, I suspect you've seen this play out in a, a possibly a car dealership, et cetera. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you think about it, it was standard management technique. It was standard coaching technique. Think of all mm -hmm. the, the old coaches, man. You grab the player's face mask and you shake it. You throw a chair across the room, right? right. You touch stuff. You, you, you know, this was good leadership. Right. Uh, what we figured out over time as we've studied it is that it's, it's an ineffective short-term leadership. Yeah. So you get you get results in the short term over time, and I, and I've seen this happen, right? I was in I was in this business, and the and the the leader was freaking out, and all the the managers were sitting there like, and he's throwing things and smashing and yelling and and all that, and uh, the managers were unfazed. Yeah. I'm terrified. Oh, like, yeah. what? Oh, this is the most craziest thing I've ever heard. We should tase him or call nine one one. Yep. So he leaves and they, and they all just went back to work doing what they were doing previously. Didn't uh -huh. do anything that he asked them to do. Uh, yep. And I said, what's going on? They said, he does that every day. <laughs> we're immune to it. You know, we, you know he'll, he'll have something to yell about tomorrow. We don't care anymore. Yeah. And so it was, it, it was probably effective in the short run, completely ineffective uh, for long-term leadership. Uh, success. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you, you think you're surprising people, but what I've noticed is that the places where that happens, uh, people just know when to avoid you. They know what not to tell you. So if you'd like to suddenly have uh, zero loyalty and zero truth, then just, you know, go off the handle periodically and you can make that happen for yourself. Um, it's, it's a bad habit. 
you got to control it. And our friend Pamela Cole, who was our uh, holiday special guest, um, I can hear her right now saying, you know, that anger is probably not the primary emotion. There's a root underneath that uh, centered in uh, loss, some sort of sadness um, or uh, a fear, you know, just being scared in some way. And it comes out as anger. Um, we've all been there um, and, and had that experience. So um, this is one to really pause on and say, what, what's underneath this that makes me uh, do this? Mm-hmm. Well, and think about the, it's not going to get you where you want to go. Right. And so uh, uh, NBA coach Phil Jackson says, anger is the enemy of instruction. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I think I'm passionately, you know, convincing them the, to do this differently or, or, or to adopt this behavior. They're not hearing anything. They just want to get away from you. It's, it's right. a fight, flight, or freeze mode. They're, they're right. only going to do one of those three things. They're not going to go, oh, that's a great concept. And I'm taking it in and I'm going to work yeah. on that. You know, but that's not, it, it's just not happening. The other thing here is if it's an interaction between two people, the person who's angry is the person who's no longer in charge. Mm-hmm. So you've lost control of your emotion. The person retaining control of their emotion, who's able to make strategic decisions on how to respond, they're winning. Yeah. And for people who get angry, the thought of not winning hopefully is enough to get you to change your behavior. Yeah. And if you want nothing else, think of all the tough guys in the movies. The toughest guys in every movie aren't screaming and yelling. They're cool. Yeah. Clint Eastwood saying, you're going to pull those pistols or whistles. Right. Right. You know, that's how you truly get your point across. It's not through anger. It's through, you know, resolute, you know, commitment and yeah. keeping your cool. You know, the one exception to the, the whole anger is the enemy of instruction is uh, the Jeff Foxworthy routine about waking up at his, uh, I think it's his father-in-law's house who wakes up at four in the morning and turns on wildlife documentaries at full volume because he's going deaf. And he says, uh, it's a weird feeling to be angry, but learning something at the same time. It's a, it's a great routine. <laughs> That's nothing to do with these bad habits, but I just wanted to share it with you. Anyway. Uh, number eight. Number eight, negativity or, quote, let me explain why that won't work, unquote. Uh, it's the need to share our negative thoughts, even when we weren't asked. And man, Mike, this one just, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it and I'll never say the name, but it automatically makes me think of a former colleague who um, this is the reputation that will haunt this colleague for the rest of their career because they can't stop doing it and nobody enjoys it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just such a wet blanket on on creativity and innovation and and, and things like that. And right. I think it might have been Mark Twain. I got to get better at attributing my quotes. I know quotes, but I don't know who said them. But I think it was Mark Twain who said, "Avoid negative people. They have a problem for every solution." Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. No matter what you come up with, let me tell you why that won't work. Right. Yeah, there may be flaws in it, but but if you can at least start out by acknowledging the parts that do have potential, right? Then we can reach some common ground, and then we can have a discussion of the parts that that may or may not work. So, so, so if I and if I know that your first response is going to be negative, and we know these people that it's such a conditioned response that they don't really even take in the idea. Right. It's just it's just you said it so. Yeah, I'm against it. Yeah. 
it's like it's like did you really hear it because sometimes as you talk to them if you continue to talk to them all of a sudden they'll come around to it and it's like your negative response is the equivalent of 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 somebody in customer service walking up to the customer and say can i help you and the customer says just looking right even though they've been they've been looking for somebody to help them for an hour their first response is this it's just a jerk conditioned response people who are negative and do that yeah, it doesn't take long for people to stop bringing them ideas. Yeah, that, that we just don't come to you when you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really, uh, for, for people that wrestle with this, I think um, here, here's another quote is um, something Henry Ford said that really predicts where the, uh, you know, the coaching industry and a lot of positive psychology went. Um, he said, um, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're probably right. And so, you, you know, you can, th- this can become a limiting belief for you that there's always something that's wrong with the idea being thrown in your face. Um, so something to, to watch out for, for sure. Well, my job as a leader, I had, uh, uh, I had three responses. So somebody on my team would approach me with an idea. And maybe in my head, I thought, this is the worst idea I have ever heard. Mm-hmm. This, this may be the height of bad ideas. But I always had, uh, I had three responses. Uh, that I could use. The first was, oh, wow, that's unique. <laughs> you know, <laughs> tell me more. Uh, and then uh, one of them was, was, well, that's interesting. I'd never thought of that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that was the truth. I had never, you know, I'm not lying. That was, that was truly the, the height of it. So that's unique. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that before. And, and, or, all right, so tell me more about how this would work. Mm. And then I would watch them cycle through their idea, and about halfway through, they'd go, this may be the dumbest idea I've ever come up with. <laughs> <laughs> and then I could be positive and go, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but it does spark some ideas, and let's think about what, what we could take away from this, right? That's so. Great. So it's it's kind of like the 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 but the however the no right I don't want to use those phrases and I don't want to shoot down the idea because if I do I might not get the next idea which is the million dollar idea. Right, right. We we both worked for um, a lady named Dolores Hazel, a friend and colleague of ours, and um, she always uh, when she got a chance to observe me uh, in action coaching, uh, she would start the conversation afterwards with How do you think you did? Um, And I promise you, she could have started it with, let me tell you five things that I would suggest you never do again. Um, She was there one time when I just absolutely melted down and it didn't go well. Um, But you know what? We all thrived under her um, and we're super loyal to her, by the way, about, oh, I'd say 15 of us that just, you know, followed her wherever we could. Um, So, uh, yeah, I think, again, these are all monster, monster uh, hurdles that when you overcome them, just unlock all sorts of success in your relationships. Oh yeah. Anyway. And as you walk away, having done that, sometimes if you're if you're situationally aware, you maybe have that little voice in your head going, that was not good, dude. You you just crushed that person's idea. Yeah. And and it's going to take you a while to get them back if you can even get them back. If you can do it. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh Bad habit number nine, withholding information, the refusal to share information in order to maintain an advantage over others. Nefarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I, you know, because information is power. Right. So if everybody I, says so. 
if I keep the power, right. I'm more powerful. Right. <laughs> no, you're not. Except you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're so much more weak. And so when when you you think of this, uh, you know whether it comes from from insecurity, uh, I see people who 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 justify or rationalize doing this because they see it as a form of job security. Yeah. Okay, if, I, if I'm the only one who knows how to do this, they can never let me go. Right. Well, here's the reality. If that's the only reason they're keeping you, they're probably gonna let you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's just knowledge. It's, it's a skill set that you can be uh, you know, training other people in. So you don't need this problem child, this bottleneck. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, I had a, I had a, a, uh, the store, they had a department, this department, long-term manager. And, and he, he was, he had that old philosophy because it seems to have occurred back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, where this became popular, right? He, 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 he kept tasks. He kept information to himself. The team didn't know a lot of things and the, the department was successful. Uh, new guy comes in, and he decides his number one goal in the world is to cross-train all his employees and share with them everything he knows. As good as this department was, shortly after this process of, of sharing everything with everybody, you know, here's how you do this, here's how you look this up, here's a, you know, here's why we do this. Right? The, the department just grew exponentially. Yeah. And and then the pandemic hit. And, you know, people were, were taking out, you know, with, with quarantines and, and not being able to come back to work. His department just that he had people to shift and move and everybody knew why and what the, you know, everybody else's yeah. job functions were. He just, just kept marching right through, you know, you know, we talk about regular adversity, a little slump in business, losing a big client. He was able to persevere during a pandemic, right? you know, because he had taken the exact opposite philosophy the morale on his team, you know, because the team knew right. that there were certain things that they could be helping with and they could be doing, or they it, things were confusing because they didn't understand why they were being done or weren't being done. <clears throat> all that went away when he chose to 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 bring them all into the into the fold and into the loop informationally. I've I've had that happen at a store as well. A client that uh, had a new manager for a department uh, first order of business was cross-training every single person and the level of empowerment that those employees felt. That manager has since retired, uh, but she started such a good thing that um, they've just continued their trajectory um, under a new manager. Um, and, and it was really a, a thing of beauty to watch the empowerment blossom. Yeah, um, if, you, if you have any desire to move up, you first right. have to find and train your replacement. That's right. So you have to provide somebody under you with the knowledge and information to be able to take your spot if you ever want to leave. Because we've seen this too, right? People say, well, I'd like to move that guy up, but you know, there's nobody to take his spot. Yep. So now you're stuck and you've, yep. you've, created, you've built your own prison at that point. That is a phenomenal point. You, you actually, like, I need to go write that down and uh, talk to a certain person about, thank you for helping me in my coaching practice why we're here <laughs> you know what i just did mike um and it was true by the way what i just said but um i wanted to give you proper recognition that was a phenomenal idea and uh bad habit number 10 is the failure to give proper recognition the inability to give praise and reward and this is a huge problem and people think that they they know they don't do it but they just don't think it's that big a deal 
it's right? a huge. They underestimate the power. And one of the things they really underestimate, and I, I've seen this everywhere, is they don't underestimate the power of their words in their role. That's exactly the point. It's the weight of the words. Yeah, I, as the leader, as the coach, my, my, my negative feedback hits harder, exponentially harder. And, but on the, on the plus side, my recognition lands with greater praise, greater strength. That's right. And so, so your words have all this incredible power and you can use your powers for good. You can use your powers for bad. That's right. And recognition is using your power for good. And, and we see this, especially if it, if it jumps a level. So if my boss tells me good job, that's cool. Yeah. If my boss's boss tells me I did a good job, <laughs> that's cool. Yes. You know, that raises to, yes. so you know your recognition is working when it becomes worth retelling. So if, That's you, right. if you praise the employee and the employee goes home and tells their significant other, yep. you wouldn't believe what happened today. The right. boss came down, he knew that I'd done that thing with the customer and helped save the day. And he thanked me for that. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. And so now it's they're, they're retelling the tale of the recognition. That's how you know you've, you've really done it well. And, uh, you know, you can uh, do this all sorts of different ways. There's a personal version of it, which is um, outside of your spouse's presence, go brag to that spouse's parents. Go talk to your in-laws and say what a phenomenal, you know, uh, cook she is or whatever it is. Um, there's all sorts of things I can say about my wife to my in-laws. And it, it's not necessarily that um, my in-laws are going to repeat it back to my wife. It's, it's not like it's a trick. But um, spreading that much recognition into the system about how valued these people are to you, I, I mean, there's just, there's, it, there's, it can't go wrong. It just cannot go wrong. Oh, yeah. No, it's huge. And, and you know, we've, we've seen these studies where if people will talk positively to plants, they will grow and flourish better. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I've never yeah, heard you, that. Yeah. If you play classical music and you say nice, soothing things to plants, they actually get <laughs> you know, grow and, and, and do better, right? Think about what this would do for humans. Right. Yeah, if you want your humans to succeed and to grow and to do better. And the, the, the most frequent thing that I hear is, is well, we pay them every week. Uh-huh. You know, they get a check. Yep. You, you know, or, or I didn't see anything that was worthy of praise. Right. You know, they've set the praise bar. The person has to save a, a, a you know, a, an orphan from a burning building. Right. And then maybe I'll give you a shout out. Yeah. I'm always reminded of, of uh, Chevy Chase and National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. He decorates the house, you know, and everything. And, and he gets it all done and he plugs it in and, you know, airplanes are diverting because it's all lit up. And he, and he says, what do you think, dad? And the dad goes, they're not blinking. <laughs> yeah. right. like, like, I can't praise you because I need you to do more. Right. The exact opposite. If you want them to do more, praise what you want to see more. Yeah. And so and, and I, I'm going to tell you, we have a, we have another episode here that we're going to make on how to give good recognition, because I can just hear our energy on this. It's just something that is such a perennial deal. Um, and uh, 
well, and you know what, I'll save my story for uh, when we do that, because I know we're probably running a little long. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do an episode on recognition, because it just comes up again and again and again. And it's just such a, a, a heavy hitter for uh, organizations, and it costs so little, just, oh. just a little bit of time and effort. Yeah, so. very little time, very little effort, huge impact. One of the best yeah. investments you can yeah. make. All right. So that's number 10. That's number 10. So uh, telling the world how smart we are, speaking when angry, uh, negativity or the let me explain why that won't work mentality, withholding information and failure to give proper recognition. Those are our next five. And we've got five more later and then five more after that. So stick around for a couple more episodes and uh, get through all 20 of these and find out what your big challenge is to work on. Yes, yes. And so for those of you who are watching as these come out weekly, uh, you now have seven days to fix these five things. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, time's a-wasting, people. Get on it. Yeah, let's get on it, and then we'll give you five more things to work on next week. If you're watching these sequentially, because they've all been previously uploaded, you got a lot to do and a very little bit of time to do it. <laughs> so I would I encourage you to strategically pick one work on that for two years and then come back and, and pick another one. That's a, that's a good idea. And of course, call us or contact us if we can do anything to help. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Our contact information is below. Hit that thumbs up button or whatever we have on Podbean and, uh, and keep uh, spreading the word. We do appreciate it. And now some words from our announcer. Let's give him some recognition. He works for free. <laughs> <laughs> And that, I guess, is that. It doesn't take a genius. No rights reserved, nothing trademarked, copyrighted, or even original. Feel free to give it to anyone, anytime, using any and all media formats. Warning, Mark and Mike may or may not make another one. I'm your announcer, and I did not get paid a nickel to do this. They won't even let me tell you my name. So until next time, if there is a next time, stay safe, be well. That's good enough.